Hello, and welcome to this podcast presented by the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the November 1st meeting of SACPA. We're always glad to see such a nice crowd out, and especially the sun out today, I think. There is a reminder on my sheet for you to remember to turn off your cell phones. My name is Susan Giffen, and I am going to be your moderator today. This session is being recorded, and I hear now we are on the radio, so one of my functions is to try and make sure we don't have any dead air or just footsteps going across the floor. You have a basket on your table, and the cost of lunch today is $11. Just put your money in the basket, and somebody will collect that for you during the lunch time. Do remember that SACPA is a volunteer nonprofit organization and relies on contributions of members and session attendees to continue its work. Memberships are available from Lisa, sitting here over in the corner. And I'd like to thank our, our partners, the University of Lethbridge, for support and distribution of notices. Country Kitchen Catering for a great lunch, the Shaw TV for broadcasting, and they are on on Sundays at 4.30, and the Lethbridge Media for covering SACPA events. Now, Ted is going to speak for 25 to 30 minutes, then we will have lunch, you will chat at your tables about what he has had to say, and then we will have another half hour of question and answer. And I would at this time now like to introduce Ted Haney to you, although he's probably not unknown to many in the audience since he was born and raised in Picture Butte. He has worked in the cattle industry for very many years, and I know we have spoken here before when the cattle industry was in upheaval during the BSE crisis. So on September 27th, nearly two weeks after E. coli alarm bells first sounded in the Canadian Food Inspection Agency, operations were suspended at XL Foods in Brooks. 2,000 plus products of con um, potentially contaminated beef was recalled. XL Foods is a privately held Alberta corporation, although we do now know that that, um, that company is in the process of being sold and at this point is under new management. Um, and it is one of the largest employers in southern Alberta. The suspension of XL Foods and the massive recall has created much controversy. People are really asking a lot of questions about the safety of their beef and what's going on. And they wonder, and I'm sure it's in the cattle industry who wonders more than anybody, if this is just U.S.-Canadian border politics. So, Ted, I'll call on you now. 
Um, Ted was raised on a mixed farm in, in the Picture Butte area, as I said, and he has a Bachelor of Science in Agriculture from the University of Alberta in 1982, a Master of Science in 1991. Ted managed the Canada Beef Export Federation for 20 years, and this organization was established by the Canadian cattle and beef industry to expand export markets. And I know that Ted does a lot of traveling to Asia, Mexico, to, um, to help that along. So please welcome Ted Haney. Well, thank you very much for that uh, introduction, and it's it's my pleasure to be here again and, and to speak to you. It seems that one of my roles in life has been the uh, the interpreter of bad news. If there's BSE, then I'd be called down to ask about uh, to to describe exactly how this bad news is going to affect us and what the route out of this bad news would be. And here it is: E. coli 015787, the suspension of operations at XL Foods, and I've been invited back again. So it's kind of the bad news, uh, bad news bear. That said, this is very much a uh, this is very much a, a mixed story. When I was asked to uh, come and speak, uh, the ownership of XL was in place. The plant was not operating. There was very little information coming from the company. There was clearly a stalemate with uh, no small degree of conflict between the ownership and management of the company and the senior administrators of the Canadian Food Inspection Agency. The question at that time uh, for me was to describe how in this situation can a company protect its brand, has damage been done to the company and, and its brand, and through extension, what damage short and long term may have been done to uh, the Canadian cattle industry and, uh, and the beef industry um, more generally. Uh, with the recent announcements of JBS, uh, coming in to initially take over management of the facility uh, while they complete their due diligence process with an eye to purchasing uh, the facility, that question has changed dramatically, and I'll get to that in a moment. Lakeside Packers as a, uh, as a, as a business and as an as a, uh, as a, as a, uh, entity is, is of vital and strategic importance to the Canadian, particularly Western Canadian, uh, cattle industry and, and meat industry. Uh, it processes approximately one million cattle uh, per year. Uh, it produces approximately 400,000 tons of uh, edible product as well as additional tonnages of product uh, in the inedible rendering uh, stream, plus valuable uh, uh, products such as uh, hides for leather. It, it employs 2,200 people directly and many more indirectly in the town of Brooks. It's been reported one in six people work for that company, but, um, but its economic impact on the town is much greater than that. A major recall, particularly in North America, with E. coli 015787h7, has typically seen uh, ownership of independent plants uh, cease operations. In most cases, though, the bricks and mortar, the strategic uh, asset, has continued to operate under new management and then soon under new ownership. 
And unfortunately for the initial ownership, uh, the Nielsen brothers, that appears to be the direction uh, that this is going now. So the strategic nature of the asset has to be separated from the strategic nature of ownership. Ownership can change, and the industry can be in much the same position. Who is this uh, JBS that's coming in to, uh, to run the plant and, and is running the plant right now? Uh, there are two primary owners of, uh, of JBS. 70% uh, of the shares, roughly speaking, are still controlled by the Batista family, uh, based out of, uh, out of Brazil with corporate offices in Sao Paulo. 30% of the company is owned by the government of Brazil. In a deal a couple of years ago, they converted uh, an excessive, excessive amount of debt uh, into equity as the company was running into working capital uh, challenges. So it is, it is truly a Brazilian company. Operational-wise, they, uh, they, have, they have acquired many different companies uh, around the world and expanded their uh, asset base. So as today, they're the largest uh, meat processor or livestock-based protein uh, supplier in the world with most of their assets in beef and pork, but also involved in the poultry sector. They operate uh, just over 300 uh, individual processing establishments, 100 of those being in Brazil, and the remainder being uh, spread throughout South America, uh, the United States, Mexico, Australia, uh, Europe, as well as, as, uh, as Russia. So uh, it is a very, very international, um, a very international company. Three years ago when Tyson Foods, the last international owner of the Lakeside facility, uh, decided that um, under pressure from their institutional shareholders, they needed to sell the company. Um, it was sold to the Nelson Brothers. Uh, to many, the surprise was that it was sold to the Nelson Brothers, that they had the ability to generate that level of capital and working capital to operate such a large uh, company. But also a surprise was that it wasn't sold to a company such as JBS because JBS was still on a rampage of, of, uh, of acquisitions around the globe. I had the pleasure of riding in a taxi in, in uh, Buenos Aires um, about a year and a half ago with one of the board members of Sao Paulo, and one of the questions that I was itching to ask him was, why didn't you buy the plant? And his answer was very straightforward. It's not that they didn't know about the plant. They'd, of course they'd known about the plant, and I'm sure that they'd been able to sniff and, and take a look at it. But at that time, JBS said that the, uh, the, 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 the uh, board of directors member told me, the strategy of JBS is to purchase production platforms in countries where they can increase market access so that they can in improve the financial standing of the company over time. And he said, when we looked at that plant in Canada, as a production platform, it provided no extra market access to important international markets that we didn't already have through our purchase of um, JBS USA, or previously uh, known as SWIFTS, part of the ConAgra Group. That group had all the access and more that the plant in Canada did, so it wasn't consistent with our strategy. Sorry, but you didn't give us a reason to purchase. I think what we've seen today is that 
at the right price and with uh, a recovery in market access, uh, JBS has decided that this company is worth a very close look indeed. And it's both of those. Canada regrouped after Tyson left and really had to ask the question, are we enticing to international investment for meat processing? Because if we're not, then we're likely not returning proper value back to our own investors and to our own industry. And central to do that was we were lacking access to key markets where the U.S. had already generated access in some, time, in some cases years before. And there was a change that occurred at the federal uh, government. Uh, there's a change that occurred, a certain resolve, with our minister, um, Jerry Ritz. And, and a lot of work was, was undertaken to uh, balance the, uh, the tables. And in fact, Canada has uh, received, except for some very minor uh, sub-products, uh, similar access to the United States in all markets, and in fact has now better access than the United States in one major market, and that's mainland China. And I, I think to some degree that would have been a, a comforting and positive uh, element for JBS looking at this. Secondly is, is price. Uh, there was a lot of news uh, because uh, Tyson was selling the plant three years ago, uh, selling um, XL Foods or selling the, the lakeside operation. And um, they're a publicly traded company, so all of their transactions are, are publicized. They sold that uh, company to the Nielsen Brothers for $107 million. For $107 million, paid for over five years. The last year's uh, Tyson's public records show there was some $24 million still owed uh, to them to complete the purchase. But they, they purchased the plant, they purchased the uh, feedlot, the surrounding farmlands, and, uh, and they purchased a fertilizer company. JBS uh, purchased all of those assets, minus the fertilizer company, but they also received uh, two packing plants in the United States, one of which that's still operating, and they received all the remaining assets of XL Foods, which includes a uh, food service processing plant in Edmonton and, uh, and three establishments uh, that are not currently operating in, uh, in Calgary. And I believe also they, they are able to receive the uh, operation that is not operating in, in Moose Jaw. While they may not be operating, there's significant value in the land holdings. So the entry price for uh, the reported $100 million for all of those assets uh, really does decrease the cost to JBS. Uh, I've been asked the question, is that right or is that wrong? And the real answer is it just is. Um, the Nielsen brothers have said before they enjoyed watching the news when companies were in deep difficulty uh, from a financial perspective or bankrupt because that always represented to them the opportunity to buy assets at a steep discount. And so the reality is uh, JBS has very much done the same thing. While the tables are turned, it's the same kind of transaction. So I think everybody at a fundamental level has to feel fairly good about this. Some people have uh, expressed concern that uh, the that Lakeside is now in foreign hands again. And, um, and I've been asked to give a couple of comments about that. To me, I've always been confused. Canadians uh, work hard to uh, seek foreign investment. We scour the world. We ask our governments to scour the world. And, 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 and companies uh, reach out to potential investors around the world in order to add uh, financial restraints to develop our industries, whether that's uh, uh, energy or or even in, in meat processing. 
If we go back to the Lakeside facility when it was owned by Canadians, the Altwasser Group, uh, before, they would never have enough, they never had enough capital or enough working capital to be able to finish the, building the plant. Uh, they, they, they process cattle and they ship uh, sides. They, they could never finish the, the fabrication, the box beef plant. Uh, when, when, when Tyson came in, Tyson brought the additional capital to, to finish that. And, and we became a, a, a more competitive industry as, as a result. Canadians, once we get those foreign assets, sometimes then we resent those foreign assets. And I think that that's, uh, that's, uh, that's an inconsistency that we have to deal with. We either shut the doors to foreign investment and we're, we're happy with our slower pace of development uh, or we keep the doors open to foreign investment and we celebrate and welcome them once they're already here. I happen to believe in the second part. So I'm very pleased that JBS has come back in. JBS brings with them, again, a very international scope. Uh, I think we're going to see them, to some degree, drag our industry back into international markets, where in the last few years we've become somewhat more complacent and focusing on our domestic market. Full value for all of these plants and for our industry is only going to be achieved through uh, selling the right muscle to the right customer in the right market every day. And not all of those are in Canada and the United States. There's a very clear long-term pricing relationship. When we sell beef to the United States, we sell it, as a, uh, we sell it at a discount to the uh, American suppliers who are selling in the U.S. market. They're selling to a home crowd and we're imported beef. So we sell at a discount into the U.S. market. That doesn't mean, that doesn't put us onto a strong financial step, uh, basis, uh, for long-term operating. So JBS will put us back into the Asian markets in a major way. They will, uh, put us back into, uh, Russia, a very strong presence there. They'll put us back into Latin America. And I think they may well look at, at, at assessing whether Canada has a role in the European market, even if that requires additional work in the establishment uh, in Brooks. This is all very positive. I think it will be refreshing to see a global perspective uh, operating uh, in, in Brooks. For the Canadian cattle industry, that means it's health because uh, there's no question uh, that company will want to ru run that plant absolutely wide open at 4,000 to 4,500 cattle a day, and that means they have to purchase the same amount from local uh, feedlots. And uh, that means that they will reduce, again, the cost differential or price differential between cattle in Canada and cattle being sold in the United States. Uh, that means less losses in the short term and the longer term, more profits uh, for feedlot operators in southern Alberta, and that does nothing but trickle back to background uh, operators and the cow-calf sectors. I think it's just all positive from that perspective. Uh, the last sort of comment that I have on, on JBS is that uh, they, they understand the nature of investing in their social contract to operate. Uh, you cannot operate in half the uh, countries of the world and operate 300 establishments uh, without understanding that you have to have a social contract to operate. That means that regulators and consumers and companies have to trust deeply that you, the operator, the company, will operate safe, you'll operate consistency, consistently, and even though they're a privately owned company, uh, they, they will operate openly. And, um, and JBS has shown themselves to, to do this uh, in the United States. They've shown themselves to do this uh, in South America and in Australia. Uh, they will show themselves to do that uh, here in Canada as well. They're not going to give Cargill uh, a day's rest in competing for cattle. They're going to compete hard with all the best supplies and all the best suppliers, and that's just good news for us. So 
looking at a, at a slightly larger perspective for a moment, um, how much damage has been done uh, to our industry? In the short term, uh, there have been excessive losses over the last um, uh, months, uh, almost to the day. Um, sorry, two months, almost to the day. Um, there have been excessive losses in, in southern Alberta feedlots. These are companies that have uh, been experiencing significant losses for most of the last year already, and this puts additional um, challenge on their working capital. And I think that that damage is done. There's no way to get that back. Um, the hope is to return to normal market conditions to reduce the losses and increase profits over time. Um, on the beef side, there's been concerns. Uh, has this E. coli 0157H7 um, uh, recall uh, injured the brand of Canadian or Alberta beef uh, in markets? And uh, one of the things that I think we can... Uh, uh, thank ourselves for is that XL Foods itself uh, was not a brand marketer. They were really uh, expert commodity marketers, and so their brand was not present. Although we do know now that it was a, the primary supplier to Calgary Co-op, to Costco, and to uh, Loblaws in Western Canada, primarily uh, Superstore. Uh, in fact, it's the brands of those companies that consumers bought, and it is the brands of those companies that the consumers will buy in the future. So the real issue is, will those companies come back to purchasing beef from that facility? And the answer uh, that I've been able to see so far, quite clearly, is the answer is yes, they will. Uh, a, a concrete facility doesn't have a brand, and it doesn't generate confidence. It's just a facility. It's the ownership and management and communications um, and operations of that facility that have the ability to uh, create confidence. And I think JBS is doing it right. They've already made their uh, spokespeople available uh, many, many times publicly. They've already had a news conference uh, out in Brooks, and they've been very clear of their intention to move forward. So in the big picture, no, I do not believe that we have injured uh, the Canadian or Alberta beef brand at home, and I don't believe that we've injured that brand further away. There's going to be bumps, though, on the international trade front. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, there is one international market, I believe it's Japan, that has already reestablished trade in beef from that company. This is not the BSE challenge of all companies, countries in the world closing access for Canadian beef. This is a different kind of challenge. Countries around the world have suspended access for beef derived from that facility. Cargill and others continue to sell very profitably and very easily and, and, and openly in, in all these markets. The fact that that product is moving freely at full pricing means that they are part of the brand protection, uh, that importers, distributors, and consumers are, are still comfortable with beef from Alberta and beef from Canada. So that's good news for when the regulations do open up and we're able to... Um, uh, we're able to see our product moving into the United States and, and other markets in, in Asia, in, in Russia, and in Latin America. Timing for when that happens, I think, is going to be a, a bit of a test for the relationship uh, that foreign regulators have in the Canadian Food Inspection Agency and the confidence they have in our inspection system and those that operate it. Uh, that's very different than international buyers of beef and international consumers. They have to have confidence in the, in the, in the plant management. Uh, consumers have to have confidence in the place where they buy their meat. 
But regulators have to have confidence in other regulators. I think it's uh, a little bit surprising at this point after uh, CFIA gave the green light to the establishment that more, company, more countries have not automatically reestablished trade uh, without a delay. This is troubling, and I think it, it will uh, have CFIA internally asking the question about the confidence that international regulators have in them, and it will start to question the relationship uh, that CFIA has in regulators around the world. All I can tell you is that the Canadian Food Inspection Agency does not always treat foreign regulators kind when those regulators have a problem. The, F the Canadian Food Inspection Agency um, uses precautionary principles. They act swiftly. They act tough. And, um, and they, they, uh, they don't cut anybody any slack. So I have no doubt that there's a regulator or two around the world that sees this a little bit as their opportunity to um, balance, the balance the tables. Uh, will we get back into these markets? Yes. Um, I believe that the uh, USDA has their own inspectors in the establishment out in Brooks this week, and they will decide on their own terms after their own inspection whether or not to reestablish uh, uh, trade and to allow Brooks beef to go into uh, Lakeside product to go into the U.S., and I believe the answer to that will be yes, and it will be soon. That will allow Mexico to... Uh, to make the decision to, uh, to reestablish trade, and I believe then it'll start to be a bit of a wave uh, of, of approvals that'll, that'll happen across Asia. Russia will be a bit uh, more difficult. This was uh, the E. coli problem and the recalls uh, became very publicized and very political uh, in Russia. In fact, the Russian Minister of Agriculture canceled his uh, appearance at uh, Green Week, which is a major event in, in Europe. It's when Russia has their main consultations with all of their suppliers of, of meat products from around the world. And uh, the Russian Minister of Agriculture canceled his, his uh, presence two days before, and it was primarily because of this issue. It was so deeply uh, politicized. And when politics get involved at that level, typically that means that uh, it's going to take more time to make the, the right decision. And Russia is important to us. We trade a lot of product there, uh, primarily for processing, but it's a place to move a lot of outside rounds, uh, inside rounds, uh, truck products, and a few of the steak and roast cuts as well. So it is a valuable market for us. And that's in addition to being one of the largest two uh, uh, off-all markets, particularly heart and liver uh, in the world. So from here, it's going to take dedicated efforts by the company, and the company working with CFIA, to go ahead and, and, and seek reestablishment of trade. Uh, I think we have to let JBS go through their three stages uh, of bringing the plant back up to uh, speed. That's number one. They physically are going to see what does that plant look like from the inside. What deficiencies are there from a JBS perspective, and how shiny and great is the plant? So they're going to bring it up to snuff. They've been operating this week. They're slowly going to ramp it up to full production. That's one. While they're doing this, they're completing their financial and physical due diligence, and then they'll make the decision whether or not to purchase. Only after that will they jbs size the, um, the company. And that's where they're going to bring in all their normal vendors. They're going to reassess uh, all of the distributors that they sell to. They'll integrate the inventories into the JBS inventory management system. They'll, uh, they'll put the worldwide JBS sales team at work selling Canadian beef within their portfolio. And at that point, that plant will truly become JBS. At that point, we'll truly understand what the company is like and I think we'll be uh, very pleased. Canada is about to become part of a very international company and I think that will speak to our uh, that'll speak to our advantages and I think we'll uh, we'll end up welcoming him here in the long term so thank you very much